Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast. I'm Alison Perry, and you're listening to episode 17. Hello and welcome back. My guest on this episode is Izzy Judd, who, as well as being the wife of Harry Judd from McFly and mum to Lola and Kit, uh, she's the author of Dare to Dream, which is a gorgeous book which documents Izzy and Harry's journey with fertility. They struggle to conceive Lola and they went through IVF and a miscarriage before finally getting pregnant and having her. I found it really amazing, but I'm not going to lie. I also found it quite tough to chat to Izzy about her experiences because I've been through my own fertility problems and I had an unsuccessful round of IVF a few months ago. Um, I found myself sobbing as I edited our chat. So if you've been through anything similar, I suggest you grab the tissues now. Thank you, Izzy, for being my guest today on the podcast. Oh, so happy to talk to you, Alison. It's lovely. Um, so we're here, um, and uh, Kit's asleep, isn't he? Kit is asleep, hopefully. <laughs> Daddy's on duty, yes. so he's uh, he's there on hand That's if Kit it. wakes up. Exactly. Um, so your mum's a Kit, who is two months old. Yes, he's two months old. I can't believe it. Yeah, because we actually were going to we were going to be doing this chat a couple of months ago. Do you yes, remember? I do remember. And then you weren't feeling so great, so you cancelled. And then I think the next day you yeah. went into labour. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> with Lola I was um, two weeks late, pretty much. So I just assumed I had late babies, and so yeah, it caught me completely off guard. And he arrived ten days early. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just as well we did cancel the podcast. Exactly. I'm not so good with delivering babies. <laughs> It was really strange because people often say, oh, with the second, it will just be really quick. And mm. and actually, I was in early labour for a good couple of days. Oh, really, really stop, start, stop, start. Yeah. Um, so actually, my biggest fears of, of not having a family member here and it all being really quick kind of disappeared because I was able to go, no, I think something's happening. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, and then you've also got Lola, haven't yes. you, who's a toddler. Yes. How have you found um, being a mum to two? Because some people say, oh, it's loads easier because you've done, done it before. And some people say, actually, it's harder because you're juggling the needs of two children. How have you found it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I think in terms of having a newborn, because you've done it before, the same things don't worry you so much. So you're, I suppose you have more confidence when it comes to handling a baby and what their needs are. And actually, you're like, 
that was so straightforward. How did I make such a fuss of a newborn with Lola? But then I suppose when you first have a baby, your whole life changes. So it's a huge, you're, you're changed, you know, you're adapting to a completely new way of life. Um, so I suppose that's what is also difficult. Whereas with the second, you're used to the fact that leaving the house takes an age and nap times and, um, you know, you're, you're slightly in a different frame of mind, I suppose. But I certainly wouldn't say I found having two easier. Right. I find um, juggling my attention between the two really difficult. Um, luckily, I mean, Lola is such a poppet and she's really, um, she's easy in terms of she'll play happily. And But then sometimes, you know, I get to the end of the day and I think, oh, did I capture her saying that word for the first time? And, right. you know, did I kit, did I hold kit? enough today did I you know did I catch that smile did I see that guilt thing coming in yeah I think so and I I think you know I'm because of the way that I sort of you know we longed for Lola and it didn't happen straight away for us and I think you know now having Kit and Lola so close in age um you're sort of suddenly flung into this world of just complete chaos Mm. and I'm not very good when I'm not in control and I don't I don't know how each day is going to pan out because children, you know, unfortunately... They're unpredictable, <laughs> they? don't behave they? like that, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I think... I wouldn't say the transition to two um, was easier, no. I guess you're, you're yeah. still only two months in, so, I mean, that's... Yeah. You know, that's really early still, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And um, But, I mean, it's lovely, even now, just seeing the two of them... Um, interacting with each other and um, you know I was always fearful if I'd be able to give Lola you know a brother or sister and um, I suppose in in that sense you know it's lovely to see their relationship grow. That's so nice. Uh, So we're going to talk today about fertility and your book is Dare to Dream isn't it? Tell me a little bit about the book and why why you wrote it. Yeah so I was inspired to write Dare to Dream um, after uh, you know, as you know, my, my husband's in the public eye and uh, when we did the whole pregnancy announcement, I was, I felt quite sensitive about how I was going to, choose, what words I was going to choose because, you know, I have been in that situation where pregnancy announcements are like another, you know, stab. It's yeah. it's that when you're going through the pain and, and struggle for, for a baby, um yeah, so I, I felt very sensitive towards how I was going to break the news. And um, Hello Magazine approached us and said, did we want to, you know, uh, announce the pregnancy? Yeah. And Harry and I, we sat down and I just said, look, I'm not happy to do to do it unless we're completely honest. And, you know, I'm proud that Lola was an IVF baby. I have nothing, um, you know, to feel anything other than, you know, sheer joy that course, yeah. um, and how she was conceived is you know is a miracle yeah um, it's part of her story isn't it it's part of her story so as a result of of being open I got loads of messages over social media and even um friends family friends were kind of contacting me saying oh my you know my daughter or my sister or me or suddenly all these people were kind of coming out the woodwork it's crazy when you mention it how many people come forward Mm. and say I've been through that or my friend's been through that or it feels like it touches so many people yeah but people don't they're not as open about it 
perhaps understandably, but... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, especially at that stage as well, I was still um, nervous that the pregnancy was going to be okay. Mm. You know, that I was going to deliver, you know, our baby safely. And um, I think I think it's only looking back that I feel I wish I had opened up more as I was going through it, because almost, I think, holding it in and not talking to people makes the weight feel even heavier. And sometimes if you just say, you know, actually, um, we are struggling and, you know, we're we're desperate to have a baby and it's just Mm. not working. And um, I wonder if it would have made things perhaps just a little bit easier than trying to hide it. But then, again, I think going through IVF is you don't you've never experienced it before so then to try and explain it to someone else when yeah. you're going through it is actually very difficult and, and also it's quite a lot of pressure isn't it then if people know what you're going through yeah and also as, as much as there shouldn't be there's still you feel like my body isn't doing what it should be doing you feel even though you shouldn't feel like a yeah. failure there's all those kind of emotions going through your head definitely I mean I felt completely like a failure and that it was it was my fault and mm. and actually interestingly from talking to other couples there is often the assumption that it is the the female. Mm. And it's not, you know, obviously not always the case. Um, But I think, you know, if if women are finding it difficult to talk about it, then men must just find it impossible. Oh, yeah. Um, And so, I don't know, I just, I felt really inspired to just tell my story, to sort of, I felt really fortunate that I was in a position to be able to tell my story. Mm. And just in the hope that it would sort of give others hope and um to feel less alone and know that it is very very common and you know even younger women might have to have fertility treatment and and shine a different light on IVF I think the perception of what it is and what it actually is so you've spoken about this before haven't you and Mm. I'm really interested in this because you have spoken about how for you it was a positive experience and you feel really strongly that it can be a positive experience yeah so do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that when it comes to um, IVF, you know, the doctors will take over your body. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. You know, they, your, my whole natural system was shut down. Every hormone I took was synthetic. Um, but I really, really chose to look after my mind through the process. And I felt there were things I could do with that. So um, I looked at nutrition, obviously which to help the quality of the eggs. Um, and not only that, but from being somebody that suffered with anxiety, stabilising blood sugar, getting myself an adrenaline as calm as I possibly could. Mm. I think food is really important to help balance that out. So what kind of things were you doing? Because I, I, I'm, I'm interested from a personal point of view because... So as I was saying earlier on, I went through IVF in the summer and I really feel like I did the complete opposite of you. So I was just, I went along and I was just like, well, let's see if this IVF works. And I didn't look after myself. You know, obviously I wasn't drinking alcohol, that kind of stuff, but I just treated myself to takeaways and, you know, ate loads more sugar than I should have been. And I... You know, then I look back now and I think, I wonder if I'd approached things differently, whether the outcome would have been different. And I know that it's really impossible to know. Yeah. But I'm really interested to know from a personal point of view what you did in terms of your yeah. health. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... You can't say, oh, somebody that has takeaways and 
eats sugar and whatever isn't going to fall pregnant. I mean, it happens every day. Yeah. But what I was interested in was how it made me feel mm. through the process. And when I was had a clean, healthy diet, I felt much better within myself. Um, I had more energy. Um, I think it helps... Um, in terms of because you're pumping yourself with hormones yeah you know making sure you drink plenty of water um you're that you're getting enough protein all those sorts of things I felt were only going to help Mm. um also I suppose bearing in mind before we did IVF I had six months complete detox right because I was so I had been on Clomid and I was so physically uncomfortable within my skin I just felt I'd lost so much confidence that I had gone right enough you know this isn't I'm not going to fall pregnant next month this isn't how it's going to be the way you know it's not going to be the way I thought it was going to be how can I change this around and learn the best I can from this really awful time yeah and um you know so I I I looked at nutrition and actually followed, um, there's a lady called Emma Cannon who's written a book called Fertile and I followed her plans, food plans, which is, which are brilliant and They look easier. really good. The ironic thing is I've got her book, um, so Clemmie Hooper, Mother mm. of Daughters, um, very kindly gave me um, her book and um, I remember leafing through it while I was going through IVF thinking, oh, this sounds great. Yeah. While I was getting a bit, another pile of biscuits <laughs> and shoving them in my gob. Um, but yeah, it, her book looks amazing. Yeah, and I think you do have to prep for a round of IVF. Mm. You know, like I think there's almost that... Um, yeah, I do... There is something you can do to take control of what's going to happen. And so for me, you know, also um, I did a lot of gentle exercise so it was yoga swimming walks I loved being outside and um listening to my music and just doing things that I wanted to do I think for so long I had been people pleasing I had been you know saying yes to things I didn't really want to be doing being around people that really didn't make me feel particularly good about myself Mm. um and I just started to say no and just started to think of my days for me rather yeah. than for everybody else. And I think that was quite um, a sort of euphoric moment of realisation that actually um, you can say no. And I guess it's, <laughs> it's important when you are you know, going through IVF, it's important to focus on you and to Absolutely. be quite selfish. I think so. And selfish, and you know, I, I think I, I was talking to someone about this the other day, because why is saying no being selfish mm. we've put so much pressure on ourselves yeah um but you do you feel selfish and especially you know I've grown up my mum is the most giving person I mean she would just she's just like that it's just within her nature and I've always grown up with her seeing that yeah and actually I now kind of think mum you should say no sometimes you know she's the most selfless person mm. um but yeah so I think Definitely, for me, when I went into IVF, I think you can go into it, either, as you say, with that kind of, oh, well, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. Or you can go into it um, with a really dark cloud of, and and sheer fear, is this going to work or is this not going to work? And into a world of unknown. And it's like a big dark cloud hanging over you. And for some women, that might be, 
you know, it's so expensive, Mm. you know, the pressure if this doesn't work, you know, or, you know, goodness, with all the NHS cuts and all those sorts of things, there's so much pressure. Yeah. And I think for the body to reproduce, you know, however annoying and frustrating it is to hear and, but there has to be an element of you feeling at peace, Mm. I think, for the body to do, to, to feel it's safe. And, you know, for me, I think that's always been my biggest um, problem. I, battling anxiety. Yeah, you've spoken about that, haven't you? About how you you think that it was when you really kind of tackled anxiety that things started going well for you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I, anxiety doesn't really leave you. Mm. Um, But I sort of chose to start to think of it more as my friend and using it as... A, in a in a good way rather than a, a negative um but I do think you know I, I really it during that detox I suddenly realized the benefits of what I was doing so mm-hmm. looking at my food and acupuncture mm-hmm. um you know exercise mindfulness all those things and I suddenly thought oh, do you know I don't feel my anxiety's been better you know, and it's yeah, um, almost like a side of a welcome side effect. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's really interesting. Um, so, what was it like? Thinking way back to before, you know, when you were kind of on the beginning of this journey, what was it like for you seeing friends get pregnant and seeing those pregnancy announcements that you've, you you spoke about and knowing that it was something that you guys were struggling with? Yeah, I mean, it's the toughest thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you hate yourself for hating pregnant people I mean I remember just you know being at baby showers and desperately trying to be happy but inside feeling you know why is this not me you know when is this going to be me um you know you get to that point you've been married a while are you thinking about having children you know those sorts of questions that come up (laughs) or the friends that fall pregnant very easily and don't know what it's like to feel the stress and the and the pain of not being able to fall pregnant and you know it's the one thing in your life that you have no control over you know you nobody can really tell you um when it's going to happen it's the not knowing isn't it it's the living with that I guess you 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 know for you guys not having any kids you know when you were going through it not knowing Mm. if you were destined to live your lives as a couple without any kids exactly. or whether it would happen and I guess if you could have a crystal ball and look into it and go oh do you know yeah. what in five six years time we'll be there with two kids <gasps> the relief that you would feel I know and I remember thinking on like my birthday thinking I wonder if next year I'll have a baby mm. on my birthday or planning we, we were going to a friend's wedding in in how many months it was and I remember thinking should I book a travel cot with the room yeah you know with the hotel yeah and, and, um, you know, will this be my last Christmas? The two, all those painful, you know, sort yeah. of... And then the next birthday would come round and you'd, and it still wouldn't be there. And I mean, it is incredibly difficult. I'm seeing other... I'm seeing friends, babies get older. So, you know, you might you might be kind of like talking about having babies at the same time. Yes. And then they become pregnant and then they have their baby and all of a sudden that baby's nearly two and you're thinking, oh my goodness... Yeah. And I think being somebody that grew up always wanting to be a mum, you know, that was sort of my... I've never been particularly career-driven. 
so it was, I was sort of thinking, facing, well, what will I, what will I do, mm-hmm. you know? And there is a point in which I talk about in the book after another negative pregnancy test and coming downstairs and I was just completely deflated of all emotion. I didn't, I couldn't even cry anymore. I was just numb um, and just saying to Harry, you know, I just slumped down and he sort of, you know, held my hands and said, look, worst case scenario, it's you and me. You know, and I remember looking at him and just thinking, you know, for all these months, I've forgotten about you and me. I've been so focused on this baby that, you know, and actually thinking this this is enough, you know, Mm. this is, if it were just you and me. And it was a real mo- turning point, a real moment of realisation. And that was when I was like, right, I've, for the sake of Harry and for us, I have to do something to change my mindset. I can't carry on living like this. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're thinking, if this is the worst case scenario, then it really it's not that bad, yeah. even though it's not what you want. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> um, you saying about coming down after another failed pregnancy test reminds me that um, I, I just think that, there, that someone needs to invent... Pregnancy, pregnancy tests that you take when you want a positive result what I mean by that is when you're wanting a positive result the result that you get is so harsh so it'll either just be nothing but you're looking for a line that yeah. doesn't appear and it's a real anticlimax or if you've got one of those digital tests it just says not pregnant so and it's so blunt and it's yeah. like a real slap in the face it is isn't it wouldn't it be nice if it said not this time yeah, or yeah. sorry not this yeah. time or try again next month <laughs> yeah or a nicer symbol. Yes, yeah, just something so that breaks the news to you more gently. I remember thinking, because on that particular occasion, it was after a cycle of Clomid, so I knew I had to test by a certain point. Mm. But I remember saying to Harry, you know, I'd, I'd actually rather my period start than have to pee on that stick. Mm. I'd rather that. Um, so I would actually do anything not to do, do take the tests. Yeah. Um, I was saying that, I think a lot of a lot of people um, who messaged me since I talked about going through IVF, um, they've spoken about um, the anticlimax of going through IVF and then getting a period. So they don't even get to the date that they're told, right, on that date, do a pregnancy yeah. test or come back in or whatever it is they've got to do. And how they feel like they kind of wanted the ritual of doing the pregnancy test yeah. just to... Being given that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think it's the thing, isn't it? Everyone sort of deals with it, with it differently. Yeah. But, I mean, that two-week wait is... <sighs> but, you know, some people... Well, we're asking me about that. And I remember just thinking to myself, because it is so tough, the two-week mm. wait. Um, but I remember thinking to myself after IVF, there is actually life in me. Mm. And for those two weeks, I'm carrying you around. Yeah, that's nice. And I sort of, yeah, I really took comfort from that. And uh, I did tonnes of visualisation during that two-week wait of what was actually happening inside me yeah and I would I would think of my the lining of the womb mm. being like roots of a tree holding on to the embryo gripping onto it and really visualizing becoming pregnant That's and nice. kind of projecting forward and I think those sorts of things helped me a little bit yeah um obviously the days were painfully long but I think as well one of the really hard things about that two-week wait is that the hormones that you're taking during those two weeks yeah make you feel like you're pregnant yeah mimic don't like they? my boobs felt quite kind of achy and sore mm. and I, I weirdly was getting out of bed differently as if I was maybe 
you know, pregnant. Really? It was so weird, just psychologically, how different I was feeling. Yeah. To then get to the end of, for me personally, to get the end of those two weeks and to not to to be uh, to not be pregnant, felt quite hard to deal with. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I was I was fortunate in that both my rounds of IVF were successful, um, but obviously after the first round we did I went on to miscarry yeah um and you know there's that sort of thing of you know how is that fair you mm. know like when you go through a round of IVF and you think surely I deserve at the end of that we've been through so much exactly <laughs> and, and couples that have gone through you know and that was one of my concerns when with writing the book you know was my story full enough because mm. you know in the scheme of things you know we were we've been very lucky yeah but all the emotions I felt have been the same and it's your story and your story is valid it's not not you know just because it's not yeah as you know just because you haven't been through as much as somebody else doesn't mean that you shouldn't tell your story no and and talk about it and Mm. not be afraid to sort of open up about fertility and um so yeah there's yeah I think it's just more you know, I've met a lot of people over the last months um, since writing the book and, you know, where it's been many, many years and rounds and, you know, the, what that must do to you psychologically. Yeah. You know, and then that's not going to help your body feel, no. you know. Yeah, I always think, I mean, I've got friends asking me now, are you going to try again? And... I just my main thought is well where do you draw the line? Mm. How many times do you go through IVF mm. before you go? Okay, that's that's it. We're done. Yeah. And even if you do get to that point, do you then look back in years to come and think we could have just tried one more time? Maybe yeah. we would have been successful. And do you feel you know? I think when you have one, that people sort of it's almost like but you've got one. Yeah. It's yeah. That awful sort of. Yeah, and it's and, and to be honest, we have got one and we're so lucky. So I think maybe if we did draw a line, it would be easier for us. And I sometimes feel guilty thinking, I feel like I should be totally focused on the family unit that we are now mm. and giving my all to my daughter and really focusing on us rather than being in this weird limbo status that we have been in the last few years where we don't know whether we're going to become a family of four or not at some yeah. point and give her a sibling, which she desperately wants, a brother or a sister. Um, although she'd get yeah, shot, she'd and get that shock. must be hard. It is. Yeah, it is. It is hard. It's a challenge, but yeah, you know, people, couples who haven't even got that that one child, I think it must be harder. Mm. It must be. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I think you still have to. There's still a place for all the emotions that you feel with secondary infertility, mm. and I think especially when. Um, it happens so easily one time and yeah. then you just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, meeting lots of people that have been told by doctors that, you know, that they will never fall pregnant and then they do. Mm. Like, you hear so many of these stories. And so many people, you must have had it said to you, oh, the minute you stop trying, yeah. you know, just relax. I know. I've got a friend who <laughs> who did IVF and then, like, two months later, fell pregnant naturally. I, I mean, obviously, you, second time round, you you guys conceived naturally, didn't you? Yeah, I know. And I, and I it was right um, in the middle of writing the book. And actually, it was almost like, there was something in me because I had written everything down. Mm. Like, had I released yeah. something? And I really urge people to write. Yeah. Because 
I think when you do write down your emotions. By the way, can you hear that? I actually went in to tell Harry to be quiet whilst we were doing this. Is he vacuuming? It sounds like he's, I don't know. If he is vacuuming, (laughs) then I just think he needs to get brownie points. So let's not worry. We have a problem where he over vacuums, if that's even possible. (laughs) He's ruining the carpets and the rugs. Oh yeah, no, he's, I'm very lucky. He's, he's um, very domestic, too, too domestic. Um, Oh, he's, and he's, I've lost my train of thought. What were you talking Seriously, about? Seriously, what is he doing? <laughs> or is he making a smoothie, maybe? I don't know. Is it a blender? <laughs> Probably listen back and won't be able to hear it. <laughs> uh, what were you talking about? I've lost, I've, um, I've lost what you were saying as well. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What were we saying? I mean, it's bad enough at the moment. My brain is just... I'll bet it is. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm just impressed that you're here stringing a sentence together <laughs> with a two-month-old baby. Oh, bless you. No, I I've just feel really um, passionate about the subject. And mm-hmm. um, You were talking about how you'd released... Um, so you were writing yes, the book. Yes, there we go, with Kim. <laughs> so, um, yeah, writing things down. And we'd always said, Harry and I, oh, we'll always just see. yeah what happens um because if it did amazing um and we were just incredibly lucky and then I remember thinking how am I going to say that I'm pregnant right in the middle of writing you know really in the depths of kind of fertility and um, did you worry did you think oh my goodness people will think I'm a fraud or yeah I worried I worried about I mainly worried about how it would make other people feel Mm. um but I think you know when it came to sort of um, when it came down to it, I think if anything, it just gave people hope that it is possible and that yeah. these things do happen. Because yeah. I remember being people saying to me, "Oh, you'll probably fall pregnant naturally next time," um, and me thinking as if it would ever be that simple. Do you think you your know? body knew what to do in a way? I just, I just think something. The pressure wasn't on. Mm. Um. Having said that, you know, I knew, we knew what we were doing. So that month, you know, I was looking out for things. Yeah. You know, I was slightly back on Google and thinking, no, you must learn from your own, you know, listen to your own advice. Yeah. Oh, it's hard though, isn't it's it? It's so hard. It's funny, interesting, interesting you saying about, you know, writing things down and how perhaps you release something. Because I often wonder, so personally for me, I um, had my daughter seven years ago and then I had PND and I actually at one point remember I remember thinking and this is terrible this is a terrible thing to admit I remember thinking at one point 
I almost oh this is terrible I'm gonna get upset oh, telling you this I, almost, I remember thinking I almost um I can't say it out loud oh, say. Oh, bless you. I remember thinking um I almost hope that I have problems having a second child so that I don't have to just because um the decision of whether or not to have a second child felt like such a big pressure um and a really big decision to have to make that I thought if, if that decision's taken away from me then that would be quite good in a way and then so years later like three years later or not even I'm three sure years you're later, not alone with that experience um <clears throat> probably not um but then when I then got to a place where um we did want to have you know um have another child and I knew that I wanted to have another child and it didn't happen there was part of me that thought oh I wonder if this is the, the universe you know mm. almost like getting me back for thinking that and there's been a few occasions in the last kind of couple of years where we've been trying and you know going through fertility treatments that I've felt quite broody and I've seen you know babies or Back in the day, I would um, when I had PND, I would see a mum walking along with her a baby in a pram, and I would feel sorry for her. And that was one of the points where I thought, "Oh my goodness, that's not normal. You definitely need to, you know, yeah. address this." Um, and I remember, you know, years later seeing a baby in, you know, with with its mother, and feeling a longing for that rather than feeling sympathy for the mum. And I thought, oh my goodness, I feel like you've turned a corner. Yeah. So maybe now that you've turned that corner, maybe you've released something. So maybe now is the time that you're going to become pregnant. Yeah. It hasn't happened. But, but I do think there's something in it, that kind of mental you know adjustment. where I can relate to what you're saying there is, um, and that feeling of maybe it's my fault. Mm. When we When we had the first round of IVF and then I miscarried... I felt that it was because I had tempted fate. I had mm. made something happen. Yeah. P- push something, force something. Yeah. And I remember feeling that similar feeling of, you know, it's it was my fault yeah. for, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it's Trying crazy. to, I mean, it, of course, you know in your rational mind, like you know in your yeah. rational mind, but you can't help but think, you know, I'm like with what you're saying that have I done something mm. that's made my body now resist? I think it's what well because we know that the the mind is powerful. Yeah, like you you were saying about you know you you do meditation and you know the visualization that mm. you do. On the flip side, I worry that my mind can you know will is affecting the success of what we're what we're trying yeah. to do so and how do you shift that you know I remember thinking you know I've had anxiety all my life how do I suddenly become this person that's not anxious mm. and knowing that you know actually um you know I I really really believe that the in terms of fertility there is now so much progression scientifically which is amazing Mm. like that we have access to what we do to help us conceive I mean I wouldn't have Lola if it if it wasn't for for you know medical science yeah but I don't life has also progressed so much that we are now under I think a lot more uh you know there's a lot more mental health issues be it be it anxiety depression and I'm not sure that there has been enough connection made with fertility issues and mental health. 
Um, I know that women with anxiety are at high risk of having polycystic ovaries purely because of, you know, the amount of adrenaline and the hormonal imbalance that that then creates. And for me, I think that that was my problem. Mm. I don't believe, actually, that I... um, This is just my belief. Yeah. That I believe it was my anxiety that caused the hormonal imbalance Mm. rather than polycystic ovaries, if that makes sense. Yeah, total sense. Because... I resisted every bit, every medication I was given. Just nothing, nothing happened. I think my mind was so powerful. Mm. And I knew it. And I was there and I was hating myself for it because I just couldn't change, shift the person that I naturally am. Yeah. Um, so, you know, suddenly making that decision to take control and doing this detox and really looking at things you know, from a more holistic point of view, helped me. Yeah. Whether it, you know, had an impact, who knows. But um, it, it made certainly, you feel better. It made me feel better. That's good. Definitely. Um, now, you talk in the book about the importance of thinking about the man in this relationship. Yeah. And um, Harry writes a bit in the, in the book, doesn't he? Um, why, I mean, do you think that men are overlooked somewhat in, in the, whole, the whole process? I think... Um, well, I can only really talk from our experience. And for Harry, uh, firstly, I, f- I felt it was really important that there was um, the man's side of the story in, in my book, Harry's side, um, because it is a joint, you know, it's a couple that goes through this. Yeah. For Harry, um, a lot of his friends weren't married. They were certainly not at having children stage. So he was never... He never felt the same sense of panic that I felt. He always was like, we've got time, we've got time. I never felt we had time. Mm. You know, I was, being a, being a woman, maybe you feel with your biological clock, um, maybe you're under slightly different pressure, and also, naturally, you want to have children. You have a that lot. desire. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Harry was particularly in a hurry. So... Because of that, he was always able to remain really calm. He was always my rational mind. So after our miscarriage, I was and I was saying, right, we need to go back. We need to go back right now to do another round. I can't wait any more months. You know, and he was like, no, we need to get you back to where you were, to that calm state. You know, this isn't the time. Yeah. And however much I was shouting at him, <laughs> he was absolutely right. Um yeah, he was always able to just remain very rational about it all. And I think his biggest concern was for me, you know, always, mm. more than him. He was just, I think he just wanted his wife back, you know. Um, yeah, it got to a point where I just, I didn't go to parties with him, I didn't mm. go out. I just loathed who I was. Mm. And if people would say, what are you doing, you know, what are you up to? I just, I never knew what to say, because I was just waiting. Yeah. You know. Um, that must be really hard for him to kind of watch you change like that. Definitely. You know, and we'd only got married months before, you know, it was just the happiest moment and day and the planning and, you know, I was beaming. I was mm. so happy um, to then just suddenly being in this, world of relentless cycle you know and yeah I I think I've just felt inspired to just try and help people through that 
And have you had much feedback? You must have had a lot of people contacting you saying, I've read the book and yeah. it's really helped me. Yeah, and actually at the moment, I because I really like to respond to people that write. I'm really, uh, that's why I want to do what I'm doing because, um, yeah, that's really important to me. But since having kit and it's all gone a bit crazy I haven't been able to get back to people in the same way and read people will understand (laughs) yeah but (laughs) that's what it was all for you know I wrote the book to help and you know to when people write and say um that they'd had a successful round and that they they found my book so helpful and um or that it hadn't been successful but that they were now reading the book and it was giving them the hope to kind of go again and look at things differently um and also just people saying thank you for talking about it um yeah and it's funny it's one of those things maybe you feel that as well once you make the decision to just be open it's very easy Mm. to just not very but you sort of you just talk yeah and you've done it and you've opened up and you've you know um but people, I think, even if it's just one person that you can tell outside of just your marriage or your relationship, just to have one other person that that can kind of take a bit of the, yeah. you know, emotion and I think is really valuable. I think it's really important, yeah. definitely, because it's, it's a big ordeal to go through and, yeah, to have that support, I think, exactly, is important. Exactly, exactly. That's yeah. good. Um, listen, Izzy, I've got some quick fire questions for you, if you're up for those. I do my best. <laughs> um, your book's called Dare to Dream. Mm-hmm. What did you What did you dream about last night? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Alison, that's really hard because my sleep was so disturbed last oh, night. Oh, well, that's not really a fair question for you, I is it? I can't really... <laughs> um, I don't know what I dreamt about last night, but I, I do have a recurrent dream. Which is, um, so being a musician, um, I've done concerts at the Royal Albert Hall, which is this, you know, the circular concert hall. And I've had this dream where I would be flying on an eagle round and round and round the Albert Hall. That's crazy. Yeah, I've had it loads of times. Have you looked into what it means? No, I should really, shouldn't I? Yeah, it's really strange. That's so weird. Um, Okay, describe yourself in three words. Oh, I really find this one hard. <laughs> it sounds a bit... Um, okay, so if I start with a nicer one, I'd like to think that I'm kind. Um, control. I'm a control freak. <laughs> um, mum. Great. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> a um, kind, control freaking mum. <laughs> <laughs> There's balance there. Don't yeah, worry, don't okay. worry. Um, and then what's been your most embarrassing mum moment? Um, oh, gosh. Because they're just starting to happen now because Lola's starting to, to talk. Right, okay. Um, so things she might say to me. I mean, there's always the poo mama, poo mama, isn't there? Right in the middle of, you know, while you're shopping or yeah. something like that. Um, I've probably embarrassed her more. 
Do you think, is that your goal, to grow up to be an embarrassment to your kids? I think that's a pretty good goal to have. Yeah. <laughs> See, my little girl's seven, and already I can tell that she's sometimes she feels a little bit embarrassed. Like, if I try and kiss her at the school gate, she's like, Mum! Mum, oh, <laughs> no, I know. Oh, no, but that must just be... Yeah, it is a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah, when they just, <laughs> they want to go. Yeah. It is terrible, though, because you sort of... you wish them to the next stage yeah of course and then you want to go back to the one before yeah it's like when the photographs come up on like on facebook of you know one year ago two years ago and i see pictures of her when she was a toddler and i think oh my goodness i just want to go back there for a day and just you know experience her again as a cute little chubby toddler i know and it just time just flies like Mm. harry always says please stop growing up please stop growing up you know yeah I just want you to be like this. But then you'll always look back to that stage. I know, I know. You know? Yeah. Listen, Izzy, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, it's been so me. nice to chat to you. And I apologise for you. getting emotional earlier on. No, not at all. It's a, such an emotional subject. And, yeah. you know, I think it's amazing that you are also being so honest mm. about it. Because I'm sure it will give others comfort. Yeah, I think it's yeah. important. So listen, thank you. It's been great. Thank you. I found that a bit of an emotional chat can you tell thank you again to izzy for being such a wonderful guest and thanks to you for listening remember that you can subscribe on itunes or your usual podcast app for more conversations about motherhood and i'll catch up with you next time the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.